Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. This is a CBC podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is MJ. She is the founder and mastermind behind Rethink Breast Cancer. Let's talk about it. Yeah, Yeah. like, man, like Broadway area, like Broadway, there's a whole new area downtown. Uh, because cool. Broadway goes across the bridge into like the more mm-hmm. downtowny area yeah. on like the opposite end of the bridge, like the more like like it it's it has more of like a like a low <laughs> like a low rise hip vibe. Um, Absolutely, I can't yeah. remember what low rise hip vibe. That's uh, that's the way I like my jeans. Uh, I think it's called Riverside. That area, I'm not a hundred percent. And thank you so much for tuning in to cool. the uh, Canadian Geography <laughs> Podcast. Uh, that's all for this week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> See you next time. Hi, MJ. Hi. Um, how are you? How's how's life? You got you this is got, you got a lot going on right now at yes. this time of year. Uh, I think every breast cancer charity is really busy this time of year. Um, we are no exception, and because we're rethink breast cancer, we're going extra crazy because okay. we're rethinking everything. Okay, no. <laughs> so rethink breast cancer. That's what we're we're here to talk about breast cancer. We're here yeah. to talk about uh, the organization that you are a part of mm-hmm. uh, that you run. That founded, you founded, founded. Yep, I okay. founded it. So it's yep. a big deal. Okay. Uh, tell us about rethink and and what it is that you are trying to that you're trying to do. Yeah, so rethink breast cancer. We're trying to engage young people who are concerned about who've been touched by the cause or who aren't concerned about, and they should at least have the facts. We're trying to engage them in ways that are relevant to their lives as young people. Um, And we're doing that in order to support young women that are dealing with breast cancer, in order to make sure um, the public understands it's different when you're young um, to have something like breast cancer and that there's um, different issues that need to be considered. And then we're also just trying to educate young people um, to be breast aware, to understand risk, to not believe the hype or the internet rumors and to not go off on a crazy tangent with their breast cancer lack of facts. Um, So we're trying to bring them real information and let them be a part of the cause. Um, They can support our work in a way that's pretty affordable and that's fun and shareable. We do a lot digital stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're trying to build a community for young people basically who are concerned about an affected Sweet. breast cancer. What are, what are some of the examples of things that are like misconceptions or, or, uh, like, you know, you're trying to, you're, you're saying you're trying to spread the facts. Like what are some of the facts that people might not realize about breast cancer? Yeah. I'm always surprised cause I've been working in this field for so many years and I've acquired a lot of knowledge, but it, every new generation coming up, you got to you got to educate that generation as well. So we'll meet young women that, um, oh, do underwire bras cause breast cancer? Or, you know, one of the challenges around statistics is we hear this one in nine women will develop (coughs) breast cancer or one in eight women. And young people, I think a lot of people think, oh, that means like 
right now, you know, we're 17 years old, we're 20 years old. That means any right now, one of us out of us, our little group is going to get breast cancer, like right now, like tomorrow, I'm going to get diagnosed. And what those statistics actually mean is, well, that's your lifetime risk. So if we all live to 85, 90, mm-hmm. you can take a segment of a group of us and one of us will have developed breast cancer. So trying to calm teens in a way and young adults because there's like a fortunately there is a lot more awareness about breast cancer than there was 20 years ago the media covers it there's you know in october you open any magazine and there's mm-hmm. tons of about everything pink products everything's, pink. everything's oh, pink. Yeah, pink nausea um the nfl turns pink <laughs> the nfl yeah, turns yeah, pink everything turns pink, pink. Yeah. you can buy you know your loaf of bread that supports breast cancer and so i think people are bombarded with those messages and while we want them to be aware and breast aware, we want them to not be super fearful mm-hmm. and they need to have proper information so they know, okay, what can I do? It's about creating healthy habits now and mm-hmm. knowing how to support someone in your life who might have breast cancer. But teens don't need to be fearing that they're going to get breast cancer right yeah. now. Mm. I think this is why I'm, I'm really cool. excited to have you on uh, our podcast because number one, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. So this episode is coming out in 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 conjunction with that <laughs> but the second thing is i think that it's really cool and unique the the perspective you guys are taking because when you think of breast cancer it, it is one of um those charitable organizations or charitable causes that a lot of people know about but you're bringing this like new light to it and and kind of uh um rethinking mm-hmm. i guess which is why it's called mm-hmm. rethink rethinking the way that that you talk about that and educate on that and that's really what we're trying to do with this podcast is 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 um, shine a new light on the way that people look at at illness. Um, but uh, what the the point that I kind of want to make is this podcast episode or conversation isn't it's not about your organization as much as it's about your story and how you got here. Because mm-hmm. what I'm really fascinated to know about is what led MJ as a person to start this. And where did that that kind of passion come from? Sure. I always say English majors end up everywhere. <laughs> I didn't intend to. I didn't ever set out to run, you know, a national breast cancer organization. Um, you know, I had a personal situation where my grandmother was diagnosed with breast cancer. She was in her 60s. I would have been probably about 16, 15, 16 years old. I remember when she was diagnosed, um, you know, she was a... Uh, Tough Irish Catholic woman, really gentle, but hearty and had had 10 kids and just one of those super giving, self-effacing types. Um, she didn't tell anyone that she had found this lump until it got quite advanced. Um, finally told my my mom and I, I remember hearing my mom and my aunt kind of whisper, like, she has mm-hmm. to have mastectomy. And like, it was this, this mm-hmm. thing that I kind of didn't know if I could like interject or ask or I was just that type to just kind of sit back and try to listen in and take in adult conversations um so my grandmother went through it and she was fine she had a mastectomy she had some radiation she ended up living um well into her 80s and then what happened was two years later our mom was diagnosed and that was caught by fluke so my mom um, found a lump went into her doctor and they can do something called a fine needle aspiration where they insert a needle. And if liquid comes out, it's most likely benign. It's, it's a cyst. It's not cancer. The doctor did that. 
liquid came out, feeling really good. Uh, my mom was 48. And he said, you know, because of your mom's history, let's just do a baseline mammogram. Um, you know, I just want this to be double checked. And it still came back fine on that side, but they found a tiny, tiny spot of cancer on the other breast. Oh, whoa. So that was kind of caught by fluke. So it was caught as early as humanly possible um, on this mammogram. And she was 48. She was young. She was healthy. Uh, The thinking, I think that moment in time that she was diagnosed in just kind of worked against her. It just, it can happen where they felt, you know, we caught it early. You're young. You're healthy. Um, We're not going to, you know, we're just going to do a lumpectomy. And that should take care of it. Um, so no other treatment other than lumpectomy. It came back within a year. The lumpectomy is uh, just, just, just cutting out the, the, the mass, the yeah, lump. Okay. Just leaving the rest of the breast tissue. Got and it. That's like as that shitty out. as a name as like unobtainium <laughs> yeah, in, uh, in Avatar. It's yeah. very self-explanatory. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, is that a shitty name or is that a really good name? I think it just does it. It does the job, does the <laughs> nice. trick. It, I mean, the I am I am uh, an idiot and I got it. I understood what I was like. Hey, lump back to me. Is that lump. this? I'm almost yeah. certain what happened with that. <laughs> yeah. So sadly, within a year, it came back to the same breast. Um, mm. So that was should have been a kind of a warning sign that okay, this is a little bit more aggressive. Um, the physician said, you know, we're going to go in. We'll decide when you're under the table or, or under if we're going to do a full mastectomy or what's going to happen. And they ended up that was what was required. She had the mastectomy. And again, no chemo, no treatment other than that surgery. I'm sorry. A mastectomy is the full re- removal. removal of the breast. Yeah, full okay. removal. And so we kind of went about our business because the experience with my grandmother was like, oh, she did really well. And, you know, we kind of expected the same. And my mom did do well. We never saw her sick. We never saw her without her hair at that time. Um, But sadly, it came back. It had metastasized to her liver. So she was just reaching Mm kind of to that five-year benchmark. And um, it it showed up in her liver. And at that point, it was, um, okay, like... very deadly. Um, she was diagnosed with the metastatic in mid-April and passed away end of November. And wow. she tried very heavy, crazy treatments. They were doing very like experimental things, which were cutting edge considered for a moment. Let's take out your bone marrow, give you like 10 times the normal dose of chemo to see if we can stop this. And it just kept coming back. So mm-hmm. that was my early introduction into, okay, not all breast cancers are the same. And mm-hmm. most people even now today, they just, when they hear about breast cancer, they think, Oh, yeah, that's okay. Breast cancer. But now with the way science has advanced, we know there's so many different forms. They all require different treatments, different approaches. It depends on your own own biology. So that was my situation. Do you remember um, having any conversations with your mom about her experience in going through that? Because my mom uh, was diagnosed with bladder cancer like six months ago and it was this whole thing on the podcast where it was, it, it, Taylor and Jeremy and I had talked about it um, off air and and I had a hard time bringing it up and kind of talking about it with her to let her know that I was there to support her. Um, did you ever go anything or th- go through anything like that mm-hmm. with your mom? First, I want to say I'm sorry to hear about your mom. Thanks. Yeah, she's, she's doing, doing really okay. well now. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, okay. It was interesting with our mom. I think the denial was strong amongst everyone. And my dad's a physician and my oldest brother's a physician. Um, I think you just, we, as I said, we expected her to do what happened with my grandmother. And I think even she towards the end, 
um, even two days before she died, her attitude or her understanding was a smart woman was saying, so what are they going to do next? So there was a lack of mm. preparation, a lack of awareness, a lack of conversations around death and dying um, that I really regret. And I regret being a teenager and I was very close to my mom, but just not having the understanding of what I could do to support her. Um, she, you know, probably was trying to put on a brave face for the rest of us kids, even though we were grown mm. adults, like I was 22, my brothers were even older. Um, That's what I found for my mom too. She was um, always trying, she was concerned more about protecting me and, and dealing with the emotional struggle more so on her own. And and I know that having a conversation with her certainly helped um, to, to let her know that I'm there for her, even now, but to this day still, she hasn't really come to me outside of that conversation and said, oh, you know, um, I've been struggling with this lately or this has been challenging for me and I just want you to know so that you can be here to support me. And I think that's really, it's really hard to have conversations like that, but I don't know. It's, it, it, it just reminds, I, I see a lot of like what you've been through and I can empathize to a certain mm-hmm. extent, but my mom's still here with us today. So yeah, and as I can I've, only imagine as I've delved into this cause and I've seen how our young women that are dealing with breast cancer, how they respond to support and mm. how they respond. You know, we've created all these resources about how to talk to someone who has breast cancer and what, what to do, what not to say, what to say. And, um, I'm always like, Oh, I wish I knew this when I was mm-hmm. 18, 20, yeah, 22. Yeah. Like it, it, it is important to realize what to, what to say and how to, like how to make that approach. Um, because you know, we're, we're having this conversation about how it's, it's important to talk about it. It's important to make those, to have those conversations when you can. Um, but like coming from your, your mom's side of things, <clears throat> the re, you know, the big reason why your mom and you never had those conversations is because your mom, and I don't think that, that this is unique to her. I think this is pretty universal when people f- are, are dealing with something like cancer or like cystic fibrosis or whatever, the last thing you want to do is burden everybody with, with your, mm-hmm. it, your troubles. Right. And so it's like, it, it's, it's hard to bring that, to broach that subject with somebody else because you feel like you're kind of pushing it on them. At least that's how, that's how it came, came through with your mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then on the other side of it, we get this weird thing where we feel like, oh, well, we don't want to step on their toes by asking mm-hmm. them about what's wrong. Right. And so both parties are kind of like <laughs> turning their yeah. backs to each other. Cause they're like, well, we, no one wants to be uncomfortable here. So let's just like ignore it instead because that's easier. And it's not even that you feel like you're ignoring it. You just feel like it's better if we don't talk about it because I know that they're, they don't want to spread that burden. And I know that I don't want to really like step on their toes. So it's better this way. And you keep thinking and, and convincing yourself that it's better that way. However, the reality is, is that subconsciously that shit is just weighing you down yeah. and it's more of a burden on your relationship for not bringing it up and addressing it and getting through it and letting each other know that you're there for one another. And then the next thing you know, it's too late and there's regret, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. What, what kinds of things are you promoting to, to like, to promote that, to, to forward that conversation or to, to, to help people open up about talking about what they're dealing with or to, um, to have people you know, 
reach out and talk to the people who are struggling with breast cancer? A lot of our resources, um, you know, we've always been about being relevant to young people. So one of the reasons I started the organization is I was worried about my own risk. I started looking and what I found when I was in my early 20s were kind of dated, scary, (laughs) scary pamphlets, um, medical looking diagrams of how to do a breast exam. There was one brochure that I really strongly remember. Um, It was from uh, a drugstore that, you know, has the rack cards with all the different disease sites. And it had a brochure and the cover was um, a watercolor illustration of a nude woman. uh, But because she was nude and it was, you know, I won't say the name of the company, but, uh, you know, it had to be more conservative. So she was turned, her back was turned into the corner and the perimeter of this illustration was all dark and shadowy. So it almost looked like she was kind of hunching in a dark, shadowy corner right. to yeah. examine her breast. <laughs> right, sure. And it just said breast cancer at the top. Yeah. So that Real was, accessible. Yeah, yeah. That was my light bulb moment of like, okay, there's good information out there. I'm seeking it proactively. I'm not even relating to this. Mm. So when we launched Rethink, it was about how can we take that information and create a website that looks more like the fashion or lifestyle websites that my friends are bookmarking that we're all mm-hmm. on. Like, why does medical information, yes, it has to look um, legitimate and, you know, we have to have credentials behind it, but it, it should look more accessible and let's be relevant. So mm-hmm. now, 15, 16 years later, um, as we're still trying to reach young women where they are, it's on your phones and, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot mm-hmm. of digital resources. So we've got um, a lot of great videos. They can be just short, like little two, three minute videos, uh, different series. One's called How to Be a Loved One. So mm. that's got lots of tips and tricks. And we always work with young women themselves who've been through it to advise us and create and star in these videos um, and resources. Uh, we do have one called, you know, what to say, what not to say. Mm-hmm. Which is so um, important, right? Just like go to the source. Yeah. Hear what the people want. Hear what the people have to say. Yeah. You know, it's, <clears throat> and and it's interesting because I, 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 that's, I feel like that's so important in going to those people because everybody has a diff, everybody has a slightly different sort of perspective on it. Mm-hmm. You know, like not everyone is going to say, here's the right thing to say and here's the wrong thing to say. And it's everybody agree tricky. with it. Some women love the battle warrior language. Other Some women are offended it. by it. Absolutely. So yeah. we yeah. struggle with yeah. different, um, different words to use. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I've learned about this whole process of, you know, whatever, like 115 different conversations we've had with people who are sick with a whole slew of different Mm -hmm. things. And everybody has their own sort of way about, you know, their own, their own preference on what they, what they want, how they want people to approach them or what they like to hear people say. And, um, I find that all super interesting in order for them, in in order for people to know what that is, you have to talk about it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's right. And part of what we do, um, just building on what you're saying is it's not about, okay, this is rethink stance on how you should talk to people. We'll present people with perspectives. Here's something. So yeah, yeah, we've interviewed this woman. This is what she's been through and this is what she's thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, then someone else might have a different opinion and we put it all out there and that's how you get (coughs) inspiring dialogue going and people can understand different perspectives and you can see how different people react to being ill and getting through it. If you're, so you're trying to engage um, <laughs> a lot with, with younger people, um, younger women about breast cancer awareness. And I, yeah. I kind of like, I really like the idea that you were, where you were like, Oh, we don't want them to be scared of it. Cause right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like, do you feel like this isn't my question that I've had in my head when I started <laughs> the sentence, but do you feel like it's kind of like almost breast cancer has become 
like like we mentioned at the beginning, it's kind of in October, especially it's like this monster. It's everywhere. Um, do you find that it was that that it has been pushed like so far in this like hyper aware space where like mm. that fear like like that fear was created by like almost like a hyper awareness? I think um, the movement, like the pink ribbon and all the the pink 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 everywhere in October, has done a lot to raise awareness, which was is was is really important mm-hmm. and especially was important in the early days. I think rather than creating fear, what it can do is create complacency. So people can think, right. oh, I know about breast cancer. I'm aware. I, right. I saw that. Or I, oh yeah, breast cancer, that's an important cause. Mm-hmm. Or, oh yeah, I already give, I give money to the breast cancer. Like we hear that a lot <laughs> when there's the such a cancer. complex <laughs> issues and stories behind that. So I feel like awareness <laughs> of breast cancer is high, but still the facts about the disease, the true understanding of the mm-hmm. person's experience and what they're going through is very complex. And I have noticed, you know, something that resonates with me and why I told that story about my mom versus my grandmother is it's done a lot of good for people to understand that early detection is important. And, you know, we're all thinking about a cure and trying to raise money for a cure. But to me, that's a half told story because there are a lot of women who suddenly are shocked. They've been through breast cancer and they're absolutely shocked and devastated when it comes back and they find out they are going to be living with breast cancer and living with treatment for the rest of their lives until there are no more treatments. And that to me is a harder story to tell in the face of everyone just wanting to celebrate and be pink and buy pink and it's all good. And we're going to support this cause. Um, There's still a lot of work to do. So I think one thing we bump up against is the perception that, okay, breast cancer is, that's a big cause. It's taken care of. There's all these companies supporting it when really we're still seeing far too many young women in our community, um, passing away and they're leaving behind children and husbands and parents and siblings and colleagues. And, uh, it's a story that's harder to tell in a positive upbeat way because we do need to create a sense of urgency with, um, with industry, with government, that there still needs to be more, um, more support, more, more treatments. It reminds me of, uh, my relationship with the Terry Fox run. Uh, because growing up, it's something that we always did in school and every year you'd go and you do this 20 minute walk with your classmates mm-hmm. and you, you come to, to know it as the Terry Fox walk and you almost lose sight of what the purpose of it really was mm-hmm. anyway. But then, uh, when in 2010, Taylor and I drove across the country and we were driving from Halifax to Vancouver and we got to, uh, uh, Thunder Bay and it was like 5.30 in the morning, we're driving down the highway where he had to stop. where he did his last yeah. um, leg and pun not intended there. Yeah, unfortunate timing. But anyway, That's okay. It's a comedy podcast. <laughs> so so uh, uh, we, I remember getting there at like 5.30 in the morning. It was still dark out and seeing the statue and the monument where he finished. Um, and that was so powerful because it, it became real to me instead of being this 20 minute run that we did around the school, mm. it became this real amazing accomplishment that I had driven for three days and, and only made it as far as he had run on one leg. Mm. And, uh, and that became powerful, but I would never see it that way unless I had that new perspective on it. And I think that that's what rethink is, is bringing the breast cancer, which I, I applaud you guys for, but then even, but then even further than that, like not until like over after 25, 25 plus years of, of doing something like that, like a walk, 
until we sit down with Brandon and yeah. actually know and actually figure right. out like dear what, friend of what, ours who who lost his leg to an osteosarcoma exactly okay. you know and exactly like and and actually only finding out the ins and outs of of like well finding out what Terry Fox actually went through via Brandon having like an identical situation Ooh. with the same mm-hmm. cancer. Um, and, and then going like, Oh wow. Oh, that's what Terry Fox. Oh, that. And like, that's why he had to get his leg amputated and da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. but never knowing like the ins and outs and the struggles and like the, you know, what you're talking about with rethink, like not, it's not just you know, going for the run or mm-hmm. wearing the ribbon. It's like knowing it's actually knowing the, the you know, the, the stats or the, or, or how to look. And it's hard with the, and, the way we live our lives and everything's quick and yeah. Click, yeah. Clickbaity and yeah. yeah. Yeah, we want to engage young people enough so that then they will want to dig deeper and want to learn more and hear more. You got to be bold to grab their attention, but mm-hmm. you got to follow it up with something interesting and, and meaningful. And that was the that was the actually that was the question that I had set out to ask when I got <laughs> sidetracked uh, was engaging young people. The challenge, like easier than you thought it would be, harder than you thought it would be. Uh, from our perspective, I know that we started this 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 podcast about well we we started as a as a as a joke kind of in a way like with no intention of it be, being like popular or listened to by anybody uh and it, there's there's a lot of young people that that want to tune in and listen to us talk mm-hmm. to people about what it's like to be sick which is like mind-blowing to me so in mm-hmm. your experience like ch- more challenging easier <coughs> what's your what's your kind of perspective on that and what you've gone through with with the organization with the organization i think um it's funny. I never really, I just started rethink without like a lot of planning or thought, like it just kind of happened. <laughs> and, uh, people really responded to this idea of talking to young people. No one else was doing it at the time. No one was thinking specifically about young people as an audience for breast cancer materials. And mm-hmm. it just, it did seem to resonate and it was very easy to recruit young women to even want to want to be on a fundraising committee and, and raise money. And, uh, people, you know, media, magazines wanted to share, share information. And I think it comes back to if you involve young people in actually creating the resources and the messaging, it's authentic and it's Mm -hmm. something they want to be a part of. Um, Plus our young women with breast cancer, because Canada is such a big, big landmass in terms of a country and these young women are spread out everywhere, and it's a smaller group of the breast cancer patient population, um, they're feeling isolated, they're feeling alone. So we found just being an organization that we're here for you and we want to connect you with other young women, the response was just incredible. And it just makes sense. Like if you're telling this situation of, okay, breast cancer is terrible at any age. My grandmother was in her 60s. My mom was 48 when she was diagnosed. These young women... You know, they're 25, they're 32, and you describe their life stage and then what they're face, facing um, and dealing with and trying to find their new normal afterwards. The response has been really positive. Like a lot of people don't have a hard time saying, well, oh, or they don't say, well, that's only a small group. They don't need help. It's people seem to really come around to it. Um, in terms of fundraising, it's been interesting. So we have our women with breast cancer and they love rethinking. They love to get involved and they want to be a part of everything. Then we have our booby ball audience, which really is um, just any young person who might be concerned about breast cancer might not be, but we're trying to reach them. And I think we've had more response from a young audience to come out to a fundraiser again, because 
it, the event was created by young people to start with. It was um, Sarah O'Regan, who was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer at age 23. Um, Whoa, 23. Yeah, 23 years old. She was a triathlete. She thought she was having asthma. It turned out that she had very advanced breast cancer, Ooh. no family history. So a really crazy story. Her friends had all just finished university you know, oh my God, Sarah's going through this. What can we do? And they started by simply throwing together a cocktail party, bringing young people together and, you know, rethink breast cancer got involved and we've shaped it into this, um, incredible event that's now in five cities across the country. And it's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of like 20 something and 30 somethings coming out. And it all started with just being inspired by Sarah's story and wanting to do something. And yes, it's a wild, fun party. <laughs> uh, but again, that was young people on the on the committee. So we're not doing a sit down gala dinner that costs five hundred dollars for mm -hmm. like a you and know, you're lame not, hotel yeah. uh, chicken and whatever. And, and you're not bringing a bunch of people into a park and meeting for like two hours and yeah. walking a loop. You know, yeah, it's like it's different. It's it's reaching a different audience. Yeah. You're hitting that younger audience. People yeah. like to party. Yeah. It's a great it's a great <laughs> place to like. You I know, love to party. Absolutely, <laughs> we partied last night. You know? And and those and not to say that walks are are you know silly and shitty, but like it's it just it it serves a different purpose. This is but to to really hit that young audience and to bring millennials together. It's, it makes me think of, uh, so, you know, living with cystic fibrosis, mm -hmm. uh, lawn summer nights, which is this event that happens every year. And it's, it's, it's a, a very similar so kind of fun. idea. It's, it's so much fun oh. and people, and, and here's the thing, this is my favorite thing about these, these events like booby ball, like lawn summer nights that bring young people together is that some of the people are there to, for for the for the right reasons mm -hmm. they're there for to bring awareness and and you know expose breast cancer and and mm -hmm. and you know spread awareness and raise money and that's all great but then sometimes there's probably some people there and they show up and they're there for the drinks yeah. and they're there for the hangouts and the good time but, and the hookups and the hookups <laughs> yeah it's are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice it's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. So, okay, I, I equated it to yo a yoga, right? Like, so we, all three of us teach yoga and someone opens a, a hot yoga studio and they're like, yeah, got a hot yoga studio. And, and people go, oh, hot yoga. Does it, I hear you sweat a lot. Like really, I, does it help with like the beach body? Do they move I, their shoulders yeah, they, like you're yeah, doing it? Absolutely. Like, I don't absolutely. <laughs> this is all part of it. So like, oh, it's, summer's coming up. I want that beach body. <laughs> does, does hot yoga do that for me? And it's like, yeah, sure. Sure. Hot yoga will, will uh, slim you down. It'll, it'll, it'll tone you up. Absolutely. Come on in. And they come in and they do their yoga practice and they leave and they go, yeah, I'm a little more fit and, uh, and I'm going to look real good for the beach. And they walk away. But what they don't realize what actually just happened was really you just came in and did one hour meditation mm -hmm. and surprise, we got you. Yeah. You meditated. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, same thing with like booby ball or on summer nights or whatever. You get these people that Maybe they show up and they're they're like, oh, what? A party? Cocktails? Drinks? Sweet. I'm coming yeah. in. Let's have a good time. Let's party. But then surprise, guess what? You're also 
helping us raise some money for something that's really important. You're also coming together with people to raise awareness to something that's really important. And you, you know, when, when you catch them in that, it just brings them back. And it's one of those things that just continues to happen year after year after year. It's so beautiful. I love that. Like, I think it's just such a, a beautiful idea to, to, to capture a young audience by enticing them to do something that they're innately going to do anyway. That's always, to me, that's that win-win. But then tie it in with something that really means something. So is Booby Ball like one of the like staple events or premier events that, that you would consider rethink (coughs) runs or throws it on an annual basis? Yes. So it's our annual, what I would call kind of our flagship fundraising event. Um, It's our big, our big thing. Um, happens every October, 1500 people in Toronto, young people come out and grow 1500? it. 1500? 1500. That's how big this party is? Yeah. It's huge in Toronto and it's Holy growing shit. in other cities. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, yeah. That's a party. Let's get, let's get all of Halifax out <laughs> yeah. so you can compete with. So how many years in Toronto now? Five? 16. So, oh, 16 it's years. Sweet so 16. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. and, and then five cities across Canada. That's yeah. Where so Calgary, Ottawa, and then we're adding Vancouver and Halifax this year. Okay. So this is the first year for, yeah. for Vancouver and Halifax. Yeah. Ooh, everybody in Halifax oh, man, definitely yeah, should go Halifax to Halifax is going to get bumping. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be no, sweet. Yeah. Can. What is the date? What is the date of the Toronto one? So the Toronto one is October 13th. Okay. Um, yeah, the Halifax one is October 28th. <clears throat> All right. Party time. Halifax. You listening up get ready Toronto if you're listening man I am so bummed I'm missing that party like that is that I we might have to make should, a trip we, here it's selling out fast it always yeah. does sell out right. so I'm sure we can sneak you in, guys could way. probably yeah. come in and run a podcast yeah event yeah something fun that's yeah. so cool so so I'm take I take it you've gone every year yes I have and actually I've missed one year I was okay. away for work for something else and is it just like the time of your life? It's super fun. Yeah. It is fun. Um, we always do a fun wild theme. It's a little bit campy. Like some people will come acting like it's Halloween. Some people are more like fashionistas who I'm going to do like a sophisticated nod to the theme because mm-hmm. that's who they are. <laughs> and it's like everything in between. Um, so this year's theme is let's get physical. And it's a late 80s, 90s oh, kind yes. of retro feel. Wonderful. So we will definitely have... People are showing up in Hal spandex, Johnson, Joanne McLeod yes. shows up. Yeah, yeah they'll be uh, some they'll body be a break. So <laughs> exactly, man. That's what amazing. more could you want? Especially yeah. in like in in Toronto and in Halifax too. Like a bunch of like young, well dressed people in spandex. Yeah. Drinking and having a great time for a good cause. There's like, even why? for like for I tickets for ticket sales, well. we have the committee doing a little like what saved by the bell character are you? Like a fun Ooh, little quiz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, oh, that's super it's fun. Be super fun. Sick Boy Podcast. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Uh, to to come back to um, you know s- spreading awareness uh, surrounding breast cancer. You know, we you were touching on the the. The fact that um, there was a lot of uh, and maybe fear mongering isn't the right word, mm-hmm. but there's like there was so much talk surrounding this thing that it, it started to cause fear in the young community. Um, and so I know I know in like men's health, um, pro- like getting your prostate checked is like a really important thing. And it's like, get your prostate checked, mm-hmm. especially after 30, like really important to get your prostate checked. I've never gotten my prostate checked. I don't know what like that Never process mind. is like, but maybe I should start considering that considering, you know, my 30th birthday is fast approaching. Um, 
what are what are some of the things that women can be doing to be proactive or or maybe perhaps some of the things that they don't necessarily have to be doing mm-hmm. that they might think that they should be absolutely so there's been you're probably aware like mammogram arguments and different people's perspectives on when to women should be doing them or not doing them and overdiagnosis <coughs> underdiagnosis and what we our message really is it's important to know your own body so be breast aware you do not need some fancy technique with a complicated accordion pamphlet to know how to check your breasts it's just um something you can just do. grab and squeeze exactly. right exactly yeah, feel okay. just and then the other thing that we're really trying to get out there is the concept of risk stratification, which sounds fancy, but it's just about knowing that different people have different risks based on their family history and their lifestyle. And it starts by having a conversation with your own GP, um, your own doctor, and they can, you can just say, I want to know like what my risk is for breast cancer if they haven't asked you about it. And they will run you through a series of questionnaires and from that basically come up with a score. Are you low risk, average risk, high risk? And from there, they can come up with a plan for you. So mm. for instance, I'm in the high risk screening program in Ontario. That means I get an annual mammogram and MRI every year mm-hmm. because I have a, a higher risk of getting breast cancer. So I'm surveilled a little bit more um, Regularly, regularly. Is is that a direct result of the fact that your it's like it's your family has had it? There's like a family history. Yeah. Is there anything else that kind of slots you into that high risk category? It's mostly my family history, and the tricky thing with me is I'm at the very, very, very low end of high risk. So I just make the threshold to be considered high risk, and Mm. so the challenge is that surveillance actually doesn't work very well on me. So it's been a decade of Every year, having the mammogram, mammograms don't work that well on young breast tissue. So the average person, it's not recommended that young women get mammograms because the tools just don't actually work well on dense young breast tissue. So for 10 years, but if you're in the high risk program, they do it in conjunction with an MRI and they take kind of a different approach to you. Problem is every year I get called back and they say, okay, we see something we'd like to have you come in for another mammogram or... Um, sometimes it's led to a biopsy. So I've had years of oh, wow. false positives or false negatives. I should know which, which is which. Um, yeah, the one where <laughs> it it's not. It's wrong. It's, it's, it's okay. It's okay that, they really yeah. scared me and, and yeah. made me feel like I was going to have cancer. And then it all turned out to be okay. I've had four biopsies, including oh, wow. last year, two MRI guided biopsies, which was really unpleasant. You're kind of in this tube, the MRI tube and... Yeah, you feel like a cyborg because you don't see the doctor. They're just kind of working on you, but talking to you. And yeah, it's, it's not great. Um, so I am seriously considering what we call the Angelina route and doing the prophylactic surgeries. Prophylactic wow. mastectomy with immediate reconstruction. Wow. After really? 10 years of surveillance and all these yeah, callbacks and scares, um, it's just kind of enough is enough. Anyways, I've been referred to the surgeon. I had another biopsy recently. Again, came back being told it's fine, but, um, I'm just to that point where I'm ready just to find out other options. That's a pretty big commitment, Mm -hmm. you know, like that, that is, it's, it's so, I remember the first time I heard that I couldn't wrap my head around 
why anyone it's like an would, amputation. Yeah. It's yeah. It, yeah. Like just choosing yeah. to amputate just to be proactive. And I was like, what? Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. But it totally I, I makes, it. So, Oh, it, it absolutely. Cause makes each time so, when I get so called sense. back, I think, Oh yeah. God, why didn't yeah. I take action last year? Cause this, yeah. not, this time it's That's gonna right. be it. especially with those MRI guided ones. Cause you're in and out of the MRI tube and, it's a very elaborate procedure. So you're just kind of lying there with all these beeping going off yeah. and you're just thinking like, why didn't I do something? Um, so it, I deal with that. But then I have the side of me cause I am academic and overthink things. I know I have a fairly low risk of being high risk. Right, so I know right, 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 that all right. these callbacks and false positives are mostly because these tests don't work well on young people. So I doubt I kind of grapple with, my academic side and knowing that, okay, this is just the problem with surveillance mm-hmm. for young people. Then I have the emotional side and I have a, a daughter and my husband and my dad all being yeah. like, can't just get the surgeries, you know? Yeah. And then I'm in between and grappling. This yeah. might be a dumb, a dumb question, but, <clears throat> um, so if, if you get the, um, the mastect- mastectomy, is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Mastectomy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get the mastectomy like proactively, yeah. Does that just it takes you down to like almost zero risk? Almost zero risk of contracting mm-hmm. breast cancer. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can't really get breast cancer if There's you no don't breast have tissue. breast, yeah. right? Wow. Okay. And then they'll re, they'll do reconstruction, so they can do it with either your own yeah. tissue or probably implants. <clears> right. Me. Right. 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 So, Man, so uh, one of the things that I'm curious about is is like go, being on this like kind of high risk surveillance mm-hmm. uh, program over the last 10 years and having these biopsies done, has that played into your like subconscious or, or conscious anxiety about getting like the fear for getting breast cancer? Yeah, I think I know too much. So one of my problems, well, first of all, I think I started rethink breast cancer, you know, because of my mom's experience, but in a way it kind of gave me the busyness of running the organization. I almost didn't consider my risk those first five, 10 years, like Mm -hmm. I was just busy growing an organization and being an entrepreneur and thinking about how to market the cause and how to fundraise. And then as we started working more closely with breast cancer patients and I had my daughter and I started to meet young women who were getting breast cancer and leaving behind two year olds Mm because their experience was bad. uh, I think my, my perspective changed and now we work so closely with young women that are in a pretty advanced stage that plays into my mind and my thinking because I'm a little bit skeptical of like, I think the attitude sometimes of physicians and I love them and I've got many in my life who are friends, but I do think there's still that like, we're going to treat the disease versus the whole person. So Mm. I've literally had, a friend who's an oncologist, when I told her what I was considering, was like, oh, but you know what? There's so many good chemos now. Like it's, you know, huh. you'll be, fi- you'd be fine. And I feel like I don't want to have a good chemo. I don't yeah, want to yeah. have chemo brain. I don't want to, you know, deal with that and deal with the risk of a recurrence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it totally that. makes sense. Yeah. It, this is another uh, uh, sort of uh, dummy Jeremy question, uh, but I, I've, how shitty is a mammogram? Is it okay. like, does it really suck? It shouldn't hurt. Okay. The, I had a situation <laughs> where it was so painful. It was kind of um, a perfect storm of, so I told you my mom and my grandmother had had breast cancer. So about 
I think six years in, seven years into running Rethink Breast Cancer. Actually, it was even later. It was quite a while. It was maybe only about six years ago. Uh, my aunt was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And I'd always kind of taken comfort in the fact that, okay, my mom and my grandmother, breast cancer is pretty common. My grandmother was in her 60s. My mom's was very different. It was probably just the randomness of these two occurrences happening um, in the family. They're, they're, not, they're not really related. Then when my aunt was diagnosed, that kind of threw that theory up in the air. And I was like, because <gasps> mm-hmm. I always took comfort that my mom's two sisters didn't have breast cancer. And I thought, Ooh, okay, right. if we mm-hmm. had the yeah. gene, they would have it too. And it was just this thing I had in my head. So mm-hmm. that kind of, and at the same time, I had a lump that I had found that um, after I was finished breastfeeding our daughter, um, I noticed it and I got it checked out and I got it biopsied. And that's kind of what led me down this high-risk screening program. Um, So I'd been aware that this lump was there, that it was slightly atypical, but that they told me it was benign. Um, I was due for my annual mammogram. My aunt had just been diagnosed. I literally, my mental state was like convinced. I felt like I could feel, oh, I've got cancer. Like it it felt palpable. Like just my mind was playing tricks Mm -hmm. on me that I had this, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm convinced I have breast cancer. So I go for my mammogram and depending on who is doing it, the technician, it should not, it shouldn't actually hurt. And if it does, it means they're doing it. They don't know what they're doing. What do you do? Like, how do you, this I don't even understand what it looks so like. Much. I don't if they they squeeze pictures, them I, in like, like a I clamp. Correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. this is how I envision it, which is what makes me like, <laughs> just yeah. a bunch of guys. nightmares. It's a vice. It, I, dude, I picture <laughs> like a hydraulic press going. That's what it does. And, and you're, you're awkward. Squishes the boob. Like so just this situation, I hadn't eaten. I don't think I'd eaten breakfast. I was in like little high heels and a skirt and like oh, you're yeah. naked from the waist up and they're angling you on and then she's like okay it's just gonna and you're, they tell you to hold your breath but if you didn't take the gulp in quick enough then you're like do I take a breath or what and it's starting <laughs> to squeeze down and I think just my mental state was pretty crazy um, I was very like put on an aura of calm but I passed out oh, I fainted no I fainted in the mammogram machine oh it my god terrible so wait like do you do like do you she ran and got you, behind me and like, like I told her I said I think I'm gonna pass out and, oh my god and so she the technician had to come out and run and then after all that I had to go through it again because they couldn't get the pictures yeah, so I had to come right. back no. on a different day and redo it um, and then since then, uh, I've make sure that I wear like flat shoes. I eat something. I right. like tell them for the first few years, I'd always tell them, I just want you to know that I fainted in one of these. I'd be very proactive. I didn't do that the last two well, times, but how do you physically do it? Like, are you, do you dangle the boob in? Do you lay the boob on? Like, is there are, like, are you, are you, you standing? To- are you, are you being like sort of like I don't know like yeah. like laid over like peeled no, you're over standing thing, up and you have to kind of mosey your way up to what I would describe as a vice so you know how a vice yeah, yeah, yeah. grip works yeah. and it's this big machine that's a big giant vice and they're kind of like pulling you and they're like hold on to this side with this shoulder so that's the right angle kind of like then, an x-ray if you're getting a chest x-ray yeah, like, roll the shoulder it's forward. a little bit yeah it's just very awkward <coughs> and then they tell you okay just hold that and hold there and then they run around to behind the machine and, and press it down and like i said at the last second they're like okay don't breathe mm. so i think 
in that situation where I fainted, I also didn't take in a breath before she said, right. don't breathe. And I just was like in pain and not breathing and scared. So <laughs> another, so d- another dumb question is, do you have, yeah, sorry, <laughs> it's the total, it's the boy in me being like, how does this work? Um, if you, can you only get a mammogram if you have a certain size bust? No, no. Cause I'm small and I've got a friend who's really small and they like, that's what you feel like saying. Like, how do I get it, it in there? Like, it's just I... brutal. Um, and they not only take, they take a front picture on each side and then a side picture on each side. So you have to do two pictures on each breast. So you're clamped into this vice four times. Are they x-rays? Is that what they, is it mm-hmm. x-ray? Is that what it is? Okay. All right. I didn't even know that. I didn't realize. I thought it was just like testing. Oh man, what? I didn't even They're know taking what I pictures. thought. It's basically yeah, right. like an x-ray. Okay. They take pictures wow. and they compare it each year over year. And then oh. with me, I got the, I have the MRI, which is another rigmarole, um, where you're, yeah, they, they put, put you in the machine. They take a bunch of, um, I guess their pictures using sound waves. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how it works. Whoa. And then they pull you out and they uh, inject dye into your body and then they put you back in. Mm-hmm. Um, Just a little science project. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I have a, I have a, a boy question. Um, do, do, you, <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you get, uh, are you more likely to get breast cancer if you have more breast tissue? Or is, oh. there, is there a correlation with that? Hmm. Like more or less breast tissue? That's, um, yeah, that's one of the myths we're busting. So it's no. And you also aren't not at risk with small breasts. So you don't have, you can't have, you know, young people thinking, oh, I'm small. I don't need to worry about breast cancer. Um, that's not really how it works. Okay, cool. How how often do you hear about guys having breast cancer? It's pretty rare. Uh, it's less than 1% of the breast cancer population. Whoa, really? So it's very, yeah. very rare. Uh, however, you can imagine the isolation oh, that yeah, a man. young person feels with breast cancer, let alone a guy. I can't we even we do meet them because they see our stuff out there. So we've, um, yeah, we've worked with a few and we have uh, a gentleman with metastatic breast cancer right now who's helping us with one of our advocacy initiatives. Right. So. If they're just throwing this out there, if there's anyone currently listening who's a male who has or had breast cancer, please reach out to us. Like mm-hmm. that would be such a, a, a interesting and I think important conversation. Because- it's also important <laughs> for people to know that genetic breast cancer, which again, most people who get breast cancer have no family history, but it's about 5 to 10% of the breast cancer population that have a known genetic mutation that makes them at high risk for breast mm. cancer. Um, it's important to know that that gene can be passed through the father's side as well. Oh, oh wow. really? So okay. when you're asking for your family history, you have to also ask you know, your dad and your grandfather, did anyone on their side have breast cancer? It's not just about your mom's mm-hmm. family history. Mm-hmm. I find it pretty fascinating that you are just at the bottom of that high risk group considering your mom, your grandmother mm-hmm. and your aunt all, all had breast cancer. Like that's, yeah. I would think that you were just at the top of the high yeah. risk. Yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks like, Oh, well you've had the test, the genetic test. And I'm like, no, they say I'd only have like a 3% chance of having that known gene. Uh, it's because there's probably many things out there that we just haven't discovered yet. Yeah. So there's obviously something in my family, but it's not that gene okay. because when you have that gene, it like decimates the family. It's often also very young. So most likely if you have that form of breast cancer, you're being diagnosed before age 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, MJ, out of your, out of the, the ways that you have been affected 
by breast cancer in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what would you say breast cancer as a whole has taken away from you? Definitely took away my mom. Like mm-hmm. that's, uh, that was really tough. I was, I'm the only daughter and have three older brothers and we were really, really close and it took away, she would have been just a fantastic grandmother. So we feel like me and my brothers, we feel like our children missed out having her mm-hmm. in their lives as their grandmothers. So that's, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing for me personally. What would you say that breast cancer as a whole has given you? It's given me uh, something I never thought I had. Like I said, I was an, an academic. I did a master's in literary and cultural studies. I, you know, I got into this cause because my mom, um, because of my mom's situation, but I was raised by my my dad's attitude is like, just go for it. So I think this will speak volumes to my attitude. Um, after finishing that master's in literary and cultural studies and doing a bit of writing for the local newspaper, um, I moved, me and my husband moved to Toronto based on me getting a three month unpaid internship at Toronto life magazine. Oh wow! And my dad's attitude was like, of course you guys will take the city by storm. Like he was just like, <laughs> go for it. Like you do it. Um, you know, most other parents might be like, what? Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but my dad is, is that champion. And I thank him for that, for raising me that way, because I had the courage or the lack of, I don't know, you're also young and you just kind of do things and you mm-hmm. don't, you don't even know that it's yeah. scary. <laughs> um, and then you look back and you're like, holy <laughs> shit, I would never do that today. Exactly. Um, it's given me an opportunity to just meet so many incredible people. And I know that sounds a bit cliche, but it's given me, um, a way of living where I'm working with some of the top oncologists in the world. I'm working with incredible, just average people that are dealing with breast cancer. I'm working with people who have expertise on how to support cancer patients. I'm working with cool agencies that help us market our, our um, initiatives. Mm-hmm. So I've had the opportunity of doing so many different things all through Rethink Breast Cancer. Um, yeah, it's it's given me insight into so many different things in life. Where can people find your stuff? Um, how do they, how do they find rethink breast cancer? You can find rethink breast cancer at rethinkbreastcancer.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, Snapchat, all all the social spaces, but our website is a great place to start. We have, um, our website has a blog right integrated into it. So Mm. that's where you can get, you can follow it and get a lot of, um, inspiration and information. Yeah. I was just, uh, kind of like scrolling through it as we were talking and it's, Mm. there's tons of, of resources there and, you know, resources for understanding breast health, what you need to know about breast health, living with breast cancer, breast cancer journeys, all that stuff. Like it's, it's really fantastic. Stuff. One more thing I want to say, um, because we just launched it today is a campaign called 800 Um, and that's 800 It's geared towards teens, but also young adults and those who are teens at heart or young adults at heart. And it's, um, it's basically a campaign we're doing to bust myths and misconceptions. What, what is the eight, wait, wait, eight, wait, eight, hundred, eight, one, three, five. Now you know, cause you're looking at it now, but Taylor, do you know what eight hundred eight one three five is? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> boobies. Yeah, yeah. Boobies. boobies. On a calculator. Yeah. That's so, so great. There's this kind of retro moment out Yo. there right now. Like you go into any clothing store for women, and it's like, oh, 80s and 90s clothes. It's and, perfect. Yeah. This yeah, website so. is so sick. Yeah. This is great. So we launched a video to promote it, and it's inspired by a scene out of the movie Mean Girls, where yeah. the four girls are all talking on the phone, and everything's broken telephone, and they're conveying oh my God. information all incorrectly. So that video is really fun. Um, this is so yeah. great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely go check that out. Eight. <laughs> Zero zero eight one three five dot com. Uh awesome. And hey, if you're again, if you're in Halifax, uh October twenty eighth. October twenty eighth. If you're in Toronto. October thirteenth. Yeah. And that's boobyball.com. You can find out all the information. It's on our website too. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I really want to figure out how we can party with the the booby ball crew. Um well, thank you so much, MJ, for coming in and, and chatting with us. This is really fun. Thanks for having yeah, me. Great. Really fun to be on the Sick Boys podcast. Yeah. Thanks. Yay. And thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And we'll be back next week with a another fascinating, interesting, fun conversation, as we always do. Um, in the meantime, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating, a review. Let us know your thoughts. Um, and, uh, and, of course, hit the subscribe button. That's really important. Um, all those things help keep us on the iTunes charts. And... Uh, and just help us spread these really uh, important messages that we're trying to get out into the world. Um, you can also reach us on the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're on, we're on all those. Uh, hit it up. If you want to get at us, you can do it there or through our website or through info at sickboypodcast.com. Yeah, just like that, when that really high voice. And if you want to contribute to the podcast, um, we're here in Toronto right now. And that's because of all the amazing people that help us on uh, our Patreon subscribers, uh, you can contribute at patreon.com slash sickboy. It's amazing. Helps us get here, do live events, do trips, reach new people. It's There's amazing. There's cool perks on there, too. There's cool perks. Yeah, yeah. You get exclusive content. You get 10, 10% off any merchandise. The merch is so sweet. Yeah, dibs on uh, live shows, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, dibs on live shows. It's amazing. And um, our documentary. It's coming out on CBC, if it hasn't already. So uh, if it's before... October 15th that you're listening to this, check it out, CBC. Uh, There's so many fun things this month. So many fun things. And if it's after the 15th, (laughs) you can stream it on cbc.ca. Our theme music for today's show and every show is brought to you by Take Part. Take Part in this .bandcamp.com if you want to get any of their sweet albums. This track is called All I Need. And the sound design for this episode was done by Donovan Morgan. He's so handsome. And we love him. I love him. Uh, This is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.